Hello and welcome to Room Escape Divas, your podcast on everything escape room. This week I am joined by the fabulous James Cobalt and we are going to be talking about VR games. Woohoo! Yay! Mm. Welcome, James! Hello. Thanks for having me. You yeah. know I always am looking for any opportunity to ramble forever about virtual reality. Yes. So my name is Amanda and this is James. And yes, James is here specifically because I know that he is just as passionate on VR as I am becoming. So I am new to the VR scene. James is the one who actually convinced me to get a VR headset while I was in school. (laughs) (laughs) I've been obsessed for a long time. Yes. Yeah. So I've wanted to do this podcast for a bit because since we we've had this request in the past and you know, we couldn't really do it because none of us had ever played a VR game and we couldn't really comment on it. And then I did get a VR headset and I got real excited about it. Uh, but then time is a thing and, and time school is a is thing. A thing. Yeah. And yeah. So when I was, um, when I was having a soul, seeking journey about whether I should get a VR headset or not. <laughs> I was messaging James a lot about <laughs> the benefits, weighing my options, what should I get, what should I not get, and James was there with all of the information. Uh, so yeah, so James, why don't you tell us first a bit about yourself and a bit about your you know history of your love life with VR? Oh, it is a love life. I mean, yeah. <laughs> is, there have been rocky moments. There have been some bad relationships, but those are all in the past. Oh, yes. Um, so I am one of the co-organizers of the Reality Escape Convention. Let's see. I am a aspiring escape room immersive game venue owner. <gasps> um, yeah. We, I didn't know this. This is news to me, too. Yay. Uh, we just, yeah, we leased a space next to Bodeborg in Boston. What? Um, wow. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting concept. I hope this works out. It's going to be like a theater and not all the games are going to be ours, which is true of most escape rooms, except most escape rooms take full credit for all of them. And we are presenting (laughs) them as like actual other people's creations that we are hosting. And VR may or may not be part of that. We can talk about that because VR in the escape room world is complicated. As much as I love VR, there are other considerations for Mm. a business. I will be interested to hear that. Yeah. Um, and I've been, uh, obviously, like you and I, we, we've we we've played escape rooms in other countries together. Yes. We we're both obsessed with escape rooms. Uh, <laughs> and I'm also obsessed with VR. I, I got into VR in the mid-90s. I've owned about a dozen VR headsets since then. Holy crap. Yeah. VR back then was really terrible. I was going to ask. <laughs> what, <laughs> was, was your, what was your first VR headset? Like, what? who made it? Uh, a company called Cybermax. Okay. Uh, all the early VR companies pretty much are out of business. The products were pretty terrible. Instant motion sickness. You know, there was so much promise. Like you could see us like, okay, this isn't it. But you mm-hmm. can see like the path that we're on. And someday it's going to revolutionize everything. Yeah. And we're like right now finally at that cusp. Yeah. I mean, VR has been around for quite a while. And I think in the last, what is it? Five years, maybe? Mm-hmm. That's when the... VR as a consumer product is a little bit more readily available. Um, still stupidly expensive for the most part, uh, but uh, it's but attainable a, now, though. It's obtain yeah, it's attainable. And uh, since the 
emergence of the Oculus Quest series, I think, which is the one yeah. that Facebook the one that Facebook owns. And that's why probably why they could make it so cheap. Oh yeah. <laughs> They're like subsidizing that thing. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> they are just so they can have all my information again. Mm -hmm. Like, well, yeah. Um, Worth it. It was worth it. It was worth it. Uh, I got to say, if I'm going to give away all my information, which I already had, let's face facts. I was like, well, they already have everything about me. (laughs) We're of a certain generation that has inputted all of our personal details into Facebook already. Yeah. I'm like, I don't think you're going to learn anything new from me from this. I think you're going to learn that I just still love puzzle games. It's basically it. (laughs) Yeah. Mark Zuckerberg also realizes that VR is going to be truly revolutionary. And I'm not, I'm not, overstating it like it really is going to change so much about how we do things like how we learn how like how we're trained for work how we Mm. play socialize how we build products and environments you know like disney uses vr to build out attractions oh i didn't like yeah and like these are it's it's crazy like uh smugglers run runs on unity the game engine oh really that's fun yeah. Oh man, I so going so going back. We should define VR, I guess. Uh, so VR is virtual reality, and it is a, another way to experience what is traditionally experienced games. And it basically is imagine playing a game in which your environment is all around you. That that you can perceive it directly through your eyes not from a computer screen uh not through a mouse but like you're right there in the environment and it often is comes in the form of a headset or sorry it always comes in the form of a headset and you can put the headset on and basically you are in an environment is that a good definition i i'd love it if you could uh add yeah. or so clarify there's anything. this spectrum of reality uh people will say xr extent uh, extended reality so <laughs> there's like mixed reality um which is where you're seeing everything through the headset virtually like but you interact with real things and then there's augmented reality where you're mostly seeing real things but there's stuff overlaid on top of that like Pokemon Go. Pokemon Go is the best one you can think. Yeah, the easiest one people like, oh, yes, right. Yeah. The thing that everyone has. Yeah. And then virtual reality is like just purely the digital world. That's what that's what you're seeing. Um, I think a lot of people think that it's going to be like a 3D movie because they've Mm. seen 3D movies. And so they think it's going to be like that. And it is not like that. And I think that's what really surprises people. I I love introducing people to it for the first time. Me too now. (laughs) Yeah. And hearing the reaction, because it's just not, it's not what they expect. They, they're like, they always say like, wow, this is not what I expected. It's so like, it's like I'm there. There is a sense of presence that you get that you cannot get from uh, a 3D television or film screen. The mountains in the distance look like enormous mountains in the distance. And when you're watching something on a 3D TV, it's a small little box in your living room. And sure, there's some depth to the image, but it looks small. Yeah. And when you put on the goggles, everything is as big as it would be in real life. You just there's a sense of scale that people even I was not prepared for. Yeah. So what was what was your first experience with VR like? Like when you first put on that headset? Well, the first so all the stuff in the nineties and early aughts was really disappointing. Uh the first headset I got wasn't even stereoscopic, so it had head uh-huh. tracking, but it wasn't 3D. So it was 
not compelling in any way. And the next one I got was stereoscopic, but it was like 320 by 240 resolution. You could make right. out zero detail. It was like 30 frames per second. So you got really sick. Um, oh. Tracking fidelity was terrible. So you could wear it for three minutes and then you would need to go throw up or something. Yeah. The first time I tried VR that was genuinely really compelling was probably the Vive, which came out, I don't know, five or six years ago. Yeah. And yeah, that was very surprising. I just, you very quickly lose track of where you are in the real world because the virtual world feels so Right? Oh my God. Yes. (laughs) Very easy to hurt your hands. Yeah. Yeah. I have a story about that later. (laughs) But I will say like technically the first VR experience I had was at uh, up the game when uh, Ubisoft had their booth set up and I almost didn't get to play it were it not for um, some poor soul who got vertigo in the middle of her session and but you know, it was a two-player game and you needed that other person so they like you know I was I was the equivalent of that kid who's standing outside the pet shop looking sad that they can't buy the puppy and uh, some nice person comes by and is like why don't you come on in and you know hold it for a bit and I'm like yeah so I got to experience that. It was it was unreal. There was like platforms moving up and down and and uh I think that was their Assassin's Creed IP. That was their Assassin's one. Creed one and and I, I couldn't believe how in the world I felt within seconds. Like within even just the second that the headset went on. I couldn't believe how much I couldn't hear outside, how much the sound even had me immersed. And I I felt that again when I got the Oculus Quest 2. I uh, put it on for the first time. And that the difference with that headset and the reason why it's so it was so appealing to me was because I have a crappy old computer. Uh, when I say crappy and old, I mean like it's four years old. It's not that crappy. It's just it's getting on, it's getting long in the tooth for a computer now. And I couldn't really get a headset that had to plug into a computer because the computer wouldn't run it. Like it would probably just yeah, the, fall over and die. <laughs> that's the biggest hurdle for people to get into it because from a user standpoint, it's very easy. Like I, I got my mom a quest at the start of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. She just took to it like a fish to water because everything is like a one-to-one interaction. Like if you want to reach out and touch a button in the virtual space, you reach out your hand and you touch the button, right? So yeah. there's no there's no abstraction with a keyboard and mouse or having to learn new like UI patterns. Yeah, It's just intuitive because it's just the way you would do it in real life. So the main barrier to entry, I think, is the technology. In order for VR to be compelling and not make you sick, you have to have very good tracking Hardware, you have to have a very high frame rate, at least generally 90 frames per second is what uh, most people feel pretty comfortable with higher if you can, you know, and your your monitor doesn't do 90 frame, frames per second, like 99% right. of monitors max out at 60. Right. So, uh, and, and you need high resolution because you have the screen right up against your eyeballs. Yeah. So it's <laughs> very tiny little pixels. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it takes, it takes a pretty powerful computer. And what Facebook did Uh, which was very clever, is they took inexpensive smartphone hardware, basically, and told developers, hey, meet these benchmarks and do that by making games with simple geometry and few textures. Like, you know, we're in like the Atari era of virtual reality. The graphics on the Quest are kind of like, or I don't know, somewhere between PlayStation and PlayStation 2. 
Maybe PlayStation 2 level? Probably. I have nothing to compare to because I haven't played with a with like a, a fully out decked headset and stuff. So I feel like I feel like because of that the 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 quest still wows me like oh it wows me too and i yeah. have you know one of the best headsets money can buy on a stupid powerful computer that i built specifically for vr yeah and i still mostly play on the quest because it comes down to the games like oh really you want gameplay and the gameplay is going to be pretty much the same regardless of how visually mm-hmm. compelling the environment is yeah and the ease of use, like on the PC, I'm always having to, I'm like, oh, Windows needs an update. Oh, Steam needs an update. Oh, now there's a <laughs> firmware update for the headset and the controllers. And now the game has an update. And why isn't this working? I have to restart this. Now I have to restart that. It's always like a struggle to get started. And with the Quest, I put it on my head. It detects that it's on my head. I don't have to turn it on. I put it on my head. It turns on automatically. Yeah. And I'm in the world and ready to go in seconds. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's pretty I was actually pretty shocked at how easy it was to set up. Um, and yeah, you're right. I put it on my head just to see like how it fit. It just starts turning on. I'm like, oh wait, is this? Are there? Is it charged? Is it already charged? Am Did I it ready come for this? Charged and uh, and the first time I put it on and the the environment appeared around me. I'd like it took my breath away. And I, I, you, I've gotten used to it now, right? So now you yeah. go all again. It's like, yeah, here I am on my little <laughs> veranda in the desert somewhere. But when I give it, like you said, I love watching people uh, try it for the first time. Because especially if they've never had a VR headset before, or even if they're not much video gamer. So I did it with my dad first, and he's a video gamer. And... I kept saying, like, all right, you got to try headset. Like, you got to try the VR. You got to try my Oculus. Dad, do you want to try my Oculus yet? <laughs> hey, Dad, you want to try the VR? Dad. Look at my puppy. Dad. <laughs> He's like, fine. And he, like, he puts it on. I put on uh, a Star Wars game for Invader Immortal. And, and he immediately... Like he's not a serious man. Like he's very, he's very sarcastic sense of humor and that kind of thing, but he doesn't laugh often. And the first things out of his mouth were just, (laughs) like it was just this weird high pitched laugh of glee because he wasn't expecting it. Oh yeah. I mean, how many, so Oculus does this really great onboarding with their headsets and it first starts off with just, you look at things and it's really beautiful. And there's like, I don't know, pixel falcon flying through the sky or something in it but like because it's the first time you've ever seen anything like that it really does wow you and then they're like okay now we're going to introduce you to grabbing stuff you know reach out your hand pick this up right yeah and then uh it's like you know i think there's like a little shooting thing uh Mm -hmm. you you throw paper airplanes and i think it ends generally with dancing in a space nightclub with a robot (laughs) and it doesn't matter like normally how reserved and self-conscious you are when you're in that headset you're so in that world that you forget that there are other people around and you kind of like i've seen so many people start you know they grab that robot's hands and they start dancing with it and laughing hysterically because it's so ridiculous yeah yeah (laughs) and then maybe like i remember doing it and i was laughing my head off like this is the dumbest thing ever and then i realized i was like wait (laughs) people can see me doing this right now yeah oh yeah right like i i actually I brought my quest back home again and, and showed it to my dad again. And this time he, um, there's a game called Beat Saber. And I was talking about this with James last yeah. night. Little game. All you do, it's like imagine Dance Dance Revolution, but with lightsabers and it's just your arm. So I've been obsessed with this game and I hate 
rhythm games generally i because dance dance revolution no that that was never the thing i think i succeed with this one because it's just your arms as opposed to your legs well it's so intuitive like with dance dance revolution you have to learn to read these patterns there's that abstraction between these arrows on the screen and your feet on this platform yeah and with b saber there's no abstraction you are holding lightsabers and there are blocks coming at you and you have to hit the blocks slice them in half yeah that's and it. it's whatever you, yeah, if you swing, the lightsaber follows you. So that's all there is to it. But it was funny because he finally, he he actually videoed me doing it, right? And when you're in Beat Saber and you're holding the lightsabers and there's music all around you and lights. I know lights, where you're going with this. You, you feel really powerful, you right? Feel you feel like the biggest badass you, on the planet. You do. And then I saw the video and I looked like a dang fool. Yep. <laughs> like, because I'm like, you know, I'm just in my living room, like waving around my arms and stuff. And, I, and not, even, <laughs> not even like, you know, I've seen the YouTube videos of the pros who do it, like who are just like dancing at the same time. They look like this is their, you know, natural state of being. And I, I, I just kind of looked like I was flailing around wildly. <laughs> I, I wonder what sometimes like our pets think, like, because I've. Like I've seen, like I've taken the headset off and they're just staring at me. And it's like, oh, right. I just covered up my eyes and flailed around like I'm having a seizure. Yeah. That's got to be super confusing for pets. That's got to be. Oh, my goodness. So. But it is, you know, there is there was a study on on Beat Saber and they found that the expert and expert plus levels were the fitness equivalent of an intense game of tennis. I and, sweat a lot when yeah. I try to play yeah, <laughs> I lost a lot. of. I, I have over 300 hours now into Beat Saber, according to my steam clock, and I've lost a lot of weight playing that thing. I also kind of tore my rotator cuff. Uh, that's not good. You know, playing it just like with tennis. Yeah. So you got to be careful. There's but that's um, another thing. VR fitness. That's like it's true. Like there are VR fitness gyms that are opening up now. And VR fitness is a huge sector of like VR software now. Yeah, I I'm still not sure how I feel about that mostly because of the sweat factor uh, you need a really strong fan That's, <laughs> yeah. yeah so uh yeah me and my spouse spouse we both do a lot of vr fitness and we have a really powerful like floor drying fan <laughs> makes a you big need difference because yeah. like beat saber i'm like wiping it down with a lysol wipe after because i'm like this can't be good for the foam like i just it can't be I, I wanted to come here today with like the news that I'd finally beat an expert level in Beat Saber. I'm still working my way up and I almost did it almost, but I tried to do the, the practice first. You start slow and then you slowly mm-hmm. work your way up. That's the only way you can do it. I cannot see anybody just starting an expert level unless you had 300, 300 hours and you're just so used to things flying at you. You can Oh react. yeah, I don't, I don't even think about it. It's just yeah. automatic now. No, I had to. St- it was like fight choreography, right? You do it at 60%. Yeah. You work your way up to 80. All right, now we're doing 100. By then, it's muscle memory. And and you're you're pretty good with it. But I, I couldn't quite get through sometimes. It was just too fast. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about puzzle stuff in VR. Yeah. You sorry just, about that. <laughs> I, no. I could talk about VR for, forever. Uh, you recently played Myst, didn't you, in VR? I did. It was actually one of the first games I got. And much like the Mist Fiend that I am, one of the reasons I got the Oculus Quest 2 was because Mist VR was coming out. And 
dang it. Like, it had already been out by that point. And I was like, no, Amanda, you've played Myst how many times? You do not need every version of Myst. The game. That's not true. You do need every version of Myst. Change. But I was like, it changed a little bit. It changed a little bit. You can play it on randomized mode now which I did, which was a mistake because I'm stuck because there's one puzzle that I played as a kid that we figured out was one of two puzzles we figured out by brute force. And I was actually excited at first and because I was like, I'm going to actually solve this puzzle now. Like I'm going to actually solve it the real way. But the problem is, is that I thought, I think I've, I've solved it. It was actually, I'm like, actually, this is a pretty easy puzzle when you think about it. Uh, but for some reason, my answer isn't working. And I keep checking and I'm like, I know I know this is right. So why isn't the stupid button that I'm hitting the right button? And it's the stupid compass puzzle. So it means there's all sorts of other, like, so if you get yeah. it wrong, lights start blaring and beeping. You have to go back. You have to turn back on the generator. You have to go back down. You have to there's try it again. There was a lot of backtracking. Games. Anyway, yes. Yeah, and I have played listeners this. cannot see that you are wearing a missed t-shirt right now it's emblazoned with all sorts of yeah i like (laughs) so i'm a little into mist is is the thing and for the most part i have all the puzzles memorized it's just this one that i was like i have it memorized i have the actual answer memorized but i couldn't actually remember how it was solved and when i saw it i was like oh that makes sense yeah that that puzzle makes total sense puzzles aside though what was it like being on mist island it was pretty thrilling. So the first thing was, it was one of the first VR games I played. And it had, in VR, like, there are a couple of ways to move around. And most games, by default, move you around with what's known as the teleport system. So in other words, you point to where you want to go, and when you're done pointing, it teleports you there. There's no real movement involved in you. And this is good for those of us who don't have, you know giant warehouses in which to walk around to experience the VR environments. Uh, Mist, though, had a second way to do it. You can do it just by free roam mode, which means you can just turn the little joystick around and you'll go in whatever direction you want, right? Like a first-person shooter. Like a first-person shooter. Imagine a first-person shooter for you. And I'm like, well, I want to do that. That's what I want to do. I want to I want to be able to oh. freely walk around in this. Bad call, Amanda. And because it was the first time I was playing any sort of VR game in that sort of mode, um here's what happens to your brain when you do that. Because <laughs> you start moving, you're 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 moving in the game and your brain is thinking, "Wait, you're moving, but your feet aren't. I don't understand that." You must be falling. And and so you immediately, like immediately the dizziness and, and took over and I almost fell right over uh, because my brain did not know what the hell was going on. It's like, I don't understand. Why? Why? Are, how are you walking without your feet? And, uh, yeah, there's this. A, a lot of people think that VR is going to make them sick. And there are a few things that can cause that, but it's all pretty avoidable. One is the, the main thing is that your movement does not match your virtual movement whenever there's a disconnect between what your eyes are taking in and what your body is doing yeah your brain's gonna be like did you eat poison mushrooms yeah you're gonna you need to throw up you're probably poisoned yeah (laughs) and you can get sick pretty quickly and so if you have poor hardware if you have poor tracking or something interrupts the tracking Mm -hmm. i mean even just like if i lose tracking for just two seconds i get queasy instantly okay uh, 
That, I don't actually get sick that easily. It's just, and I didn't feel my stomach drop, but I didn't feel nauseous. It was just sort of like just trying to figure it out. And then you get used to it. And then now every, I, I actually kind of miss that little, you know, dizzy mm. feeling I get when I move because now I can move free roam and it, it doesn't affect me at all. Oh, congrats. Um, you got your uh, VRC legs. I got my VRC legs and now I'm just like a ghost floating around, you know? Um, yeah, it helps to tell your brain that you're like, on a hoverboard or something <laughs> trick yeah. your brain be like i'm not sick i didn't eat berries i'm on a hoverboard and that's yeah. why i'm floating around without moving my legs but with mist i don't think it got me like it was exciting to be there when i first got into the game and i was like oh my god i'm actually here i could see everything around me but it didn't really hit me until I got to one of the ages. So it was the Channelwood age I started with. Mm. And that, for those who have never played Mist, it's this game level where you're in a for like you're in a swamp type of forest, uh, and there's just water beneath you. There's a little wooden walkway, and it's just full of trees, and there's tree houses up in the trees. And that was when I was hit with the scale of it. And because when I looked up and I just it was the first time I'd played Mist that I actually sensed the scale around me and, and the, and it, that was when it felt. And with the atmospheric sounds, they did a great job with the, with the sounds for that game, uh, for the VR version. So hearing the sounds all around me, seeing the trees. And when I got to the stone ship age later, which is this, you know, island on the ocean with a ship on it basically you know and i looked and they have this gorgeous sunset um in the distance and that like that was when it was like kind of took my breath away and i was like that's not some that is not an effect i would get if i played it just on a computer screen i remember playing there so um there's a vr version of doom called doom vfr built specifically for vr and it has a lot of the um same enemies and such from the i don't know what when it came out like six years ago or something there was a version of doom that came out for pc yeah yeah like that uh new version and i did not realize how big a lot of those enemies are because on your screen they're just on your screen and when you're in vr you do have that sense of scale and i it's just like oh can I swear on this? Yep. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> I was just like constantly no, like stop me now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was just constantly like, oh shit. You know, like a door would yeah. open up and there would be this 12 foot tall beast. Yeah. I mean, and a lot of people get this in um Vader Immortal. The first time you come across oh, Vader, god. you don't realize how tall he is and how imposing. That I I never and I've told this story before to people like I've never been afraid of Darth Vader. Not really. I knew watching the movies that he's an intimidating figure and that everybody is afraid of him and that he he is imposing. But you never actually, I was never actually as a kid, like scared of Darth Vader or like whenever he appeared on screen. And then I played Vader Immortal and I'm sitting here and I was already like, you know, blown away again it was one of the first vr games i played so that those first few minutes like if you want a good example of some vr perfection 
that Vader Immortal is is one of those games you have to play because those first few minutes, um, mm-hmm. that's what I've shown people to get them excited about VR because they're like, oh my god, I, I feel like. I feel like I'm here. I feel like I'm part of it. My sister, when the stormtroopers came in to arrest her, like threw up her hands and being like, okay, I want to stop. stop. I'm like, no, they're not going to hurt you. It's fine. It's a game. It's just, it's just, it's fine. And, uh, um, but when Vader came up to me and yeah, he is very tall and very wide and, and and he's just sort of standing over you, holding something out to you being like, open this. And, 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 and you're just kind of like, okay, um, sure. <laughs> like, I felt very tiny and very alone in that moment. And I've never felt that way from, with Darth Vader before until that VR game. Yeah. Uh, I'm not really a Star Wars fan, and I, I, I just love it so much. It's a masterpiece. They did so many clever things from a storytelling perspective. Yeah. And from a technology perspective, that game looks amazing. It's, uh, they did all sorts of cool tricks to make it look so yeah. good and to it run on so mobile hardware in the quest yes yeah so that those are those two games are are definitely worth checking out if if you want to get a, a vr headset but yeah like i that was vader immortal was the one where i started to see the storytelling possibilities with vr that uh you can't get in other mediums it is that sense of being there that you simply can't duplicate elsewhere yeah yeah. There's a it, things just feel different when you can look a character in the eye. Mm-hmm. It feels different, and, and violence feels different too. There, which is there's this uncomfortable element in VR where, like, especially melee combat, there's a big difference between clicking your mouse button with this mm-hmm. character on the screen and grabbing them by the neck and stabbing them or something. Like it's it's oh, different. I haven't played any fighting games yet like the closest i got was the vader immortal one where i'm actually just hitting robots with a lightsaber mostly yeah <laughs> that I think was where i hit my hand that was yeah the, the 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 that difference i think is why there is a lot of concern about children using vr there's the there's the fact that headsets are heavy and their neck yeah. muscles are weak but weak there's also children. like you there is more more like i was saying earlier there's less abstraction like mm-hmm. you're picking up that weapon and you are bludgeoning that zombie or whatever the enemy is, you know, mm-hmm. there's all sorts of like tactical shooter games where you're yeah. in a war zone or whatever. Like, and it's going to, it's going to feel very different. Yeah. Yeah. For better and worse. For better and worse. Yeah. What are some of your favorite games so far on the, on from VR uh, as in, in so far as like, you know, escape room inspired like puzzle type games or narrative type games or actually any games what are some of your favorite (laughs) games let me just take all of the categorizations off the table there's so many great games and games that are doing all sorts of interesting things not all of them are necessarily like first person so there's this uh down the rabbit hole i think you might have played that i haven't played it yet it's on my wish list that's that's like a puzzle game that's dioramas where you interact with these dioramas you're like really big looking down mm-hmm. at the this small little world it's based on alice in wonderland um but i think a great example of the power of vr and, and like for escape room players is mm-hmm. uh fisherman's tale because mm. that is a game that does things that you can't do in real life like if i have a choice i want to do it in real life 
Because mm-hmm. in real life, there's texture on your fingers and there's the temperature right. of things that you touch and maybe their smell um, yeah. and there's more natural vision. Everything's ultra high resolution. <laughs> yeah. As long as I have my glasses on, there's some things you just can't do in VR. You can't change time. Like if there's a, there, there are some puzzle games that use time as a mechanic. Right. You cannot do that in real life. Yeah. Really? Like you can't just make everything freeze. Uh, there are games that use uh, just all sorts of impossible non-Euclidean environments as a game mechanic. You can't do that. And one of those is a fisherman's tale yeah. where, it's kind of like interdimensional puzzling. I don't want to spoil it, but no, you can't. Yeah. Spoiling. It's hard not to spoil a fisherman's tale without like to talk about the mechanic without spoiling it. But I will but... say I did really enjoy it. I, I, I did really enjoy it, but there were two points in that game where I almost rage quit uh, because of the mechanic, <laughs> because gonna... of, because of the technology. Um, the last puzzle is probably one of them. Oh my God. Yes, yeah. it was. God! <laughs> yes, it's very frustrating. Like, Sorry, right, now I'm going to swear, son of a bitch! I was just sitting there, come on, come on! And then you drop something, and then it resets to back to its original position, and then you're like, no! No! Yeah, the last puzzle <laughs> requires tedious, fine movement, and oh. <laughs> it's it's a little confusing. I don't yeah. even know how I did it. I, I was just kept trying to do it, and then at one point, it worked, and I was like, okay, good. Okay, and then I'll never do it. And that's it sucked because up until that point there, and then the other point was how can I say this without spoiling it? It was the um, I'm going to say the crane. Uh, mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that part too. I was just like, come on, can't mm. I? Can you just throw me a bone? Like, <laughs> can't I get it into the approximate area? Ah, <laughs> Dude, yeah, no, it was uh. Those were the two points, which sucked because otherwise I was having a a grand old time, like going through it and figuring out where it was going to go. And uh, yeah, I I really enjoyed that. Those puzzles. And those Uh, are ones you can't play in real life. Not really. Yeah. Yeah. You just can't. Um, It really takes advantage. Like there's any sort of game that like puts you into outer space or underwater or something like that. Like from an environment standpoint, there are all sorts of things that you can't do in real life. But then from a gameplay mechanic standpoint there are all sorts of things that you can't do in real life uh form is one of my favorites unfortunately it's not on the quest no (laughs) No. tell us about it it's a puzzle game it's kind of like uh, an escape room in some sort of outer space void where you manipulate balls of light and it's so hard to explain because it's 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 a very abstract game um but it's a very satisfying game and like you can't just grab balls of light out of in air in real life but you can do it in this game and it's very satisfying oh another one is um that is on the quest and on pc uh what's it called shadow point narrated by patrick oh, stewart I'm playing that right now yeah but maybe i, I might have gotten it because i'm like i need to hear some patrick stewart in my <laughs> life and while i'm solving puzzles no matter how rageful i get if he comes in to narrate i'll be like thanks patrick stewart i'm glad you're here with me so and you like <laughs> you could kind of do some of that in real life because you're you're kind of like all the puzzles are based on light and shadow. Yeah. But there is a level of magic involved that you could not do. Yeah. And yeah. really almost anything involving magic. Like I'm sure you you as well have played escape rooms where you grab a wand and you have to do gestures and stuff like that. Yes. And that can be cool sometimes. Usually it's just finicky. Mm-hmm. But it's very cool in VR when your wand actually makes something levitate. Yeah. Or when... 
as a result of your spell or whatever, um, there are sparks and, and wisps of light flying around or something, right? Like things that you just can't replicate in real life, at least not without, I don't know. No, you can't. I can't. Yeah, <laughs> I can't, can't think of a and anything a way that's to do dangerous. That. So you did the Assassin's Creed one. So um, blue by Ubisoft. Ubisoft, that company. Yeah, <laughs> that one. <laughs> Which the I U think. One. Yeah, they're out of Montreal, I believe, and they, but they have another place in. They um, have they Europe. have a studio in Toronto as well. I think Montreal is the one where they develop a lot of the indie games. Uh, so any, any time you see a Ubisoft game, that's a little more story focused and, and, and that kind of thing that that's probably, uh, and maybe a little more indie. That's probably from the Montreal office. Yeah. I, I think the Montreal one has done some of the VR stuff, but I think there's like one in Belgium or something too. Um, but they create VR experiences for escape rooms to host. So mm. you can, like, as an owner, I could take a space, like, I don't know, 16 feet by 16 feet or something, and set up sensors and VR hardware and whatever, and I could have two to four people playing at a time in there. Um, and the only way to play these games is through location-based entertainment venues. Like, you can't just get this for your home. Right. These are licensed to escape from fac- facilities. Yeah. Uh, and they have a whole series based off the Assassin's Creed IP, but you don't need to be familiar with it. It just kind of takes place no, in that I wasn't. style. I wasn't. Yeah. And there are all sorts of things that you do in there that you could never do in a real escape room, not just because of budget, because obviously, like, um, we're not going to build an enormous tomb with 50 foot drops and <laughs> stuff like that, but because it's dangerous, right? Like, you're not going to let players yeah. walk around with torches, lighting things, right. or climbing on walls, or shooting bow and arrows. Yeah. And all of that stuff is in service to solving puzzles. Yeah, no, that's true. And I remember playing that Assassin's Creed one and, yeah, thinking this would be great for escape room venues that maybe want something a little more, um, I guess, elaborate if, if they didn't already have a, a room that was elaborate or, or that kind of thing and involved a little bit more danger and involved a little bit more like you know, harder mechanics and that kind of thing. But it's a shame because I did play that that VR one and I'm like, I wish I could just play it at home. <laughs> that was, that was my take from it, right? Well, you know, and the, the thing is like location-based entertainment venues have to up their game. Just right. like when arcade games, we were able to play them with the Atari and then the Nintendo Entertainment System. Like the arcade games had to get more interesting in order to keep people coming to the arcade. They had to get more elaborate, right? Mm-hmm. There's always this like arms race. Same thing with movies. Like once we got HDTV, movie theaters were like, ah, but we have 3D. And then people were like, well, now we have 3D too. And they're like, oh, but we have, you know, ultra high resolution and this positional audio. And we're like, yeah, now we have that too. Uh, <laughs> and so like with VR, it's like, yeah, well, I can play VR at home. Can I just buy this and play this game at home instead of going yeah. to this place but then you have uh, companies that are like the void which i right. think they're not doing great they might have gone out of business i'm not sure i know it was real i never did the void I-, I tried to convince my friends my co-workers once when we actually went to a venue that had the void there i think it was their ghostbusters game at the time and yeah it, w- it is expensive right it was like you have to pay 25 dollars for basically 10 minutes of play and uh it- you know like I'm sure the experience of it was great, but I can't see people being convinced to pay that much money. It's hard enough to get them to agree to like $35 for an hour long thing <laughs> with an escape room, let alone 25 minutes with a VR headset. 
So what the void was doing that was interesting is they had these, you know, big IP based games that people could play that took place. This was this is like mixed reality because, you know, like you would step out onto a balcony in the game, like on Ghostbusters, you would step outside at the top of a skyscraper and they would have big fans blowing wind at you, which made it much more immersive. Yeah. And when a fire started, they would have like some sort of heat thing blowing on you. Uh, and okay. there were some physical things in the environment. So you could reach out your hand and touch a button in the environment, in the real world environment that correlated to a button in the virtual environment. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So they were trying to up the game with VR. I, I do think they went out of business, um, which is unfortunate, but they're not the only ones trying to do stuff like that. Uh, so do you think that VR is a viable thing for escape rooms to have in their rooms? It's really challenging. And I've talked to a bunch of owners and some of them are like, they're, it's like, yeah, it's okay, but they really dream of replacing it with something else. And some of them are like, that was a waste of money because VR is expensive. Yeah, It's getting cheaper, but it's still expensive. Uh, and even though like the Assassin's Creed games, I think they're a, I think you can license them on a revenue share model, which is great because it reduces your upfront investment. Um, you still have the problem of like people are not that interested yet because they don't right. know. They yeah. think that it's going to be just a video game strapped to your face. They think it's going right. to be a 3D TV. They don't realize they're going to be transported to a completely different reality. Yeah. So it's it's hard there just to get across the message like no this is different this is not what you think people are worried they're gonna get sick which has happened mm -hmm. to me i went to um a vr venue in montreal a couple years ago and got super sick because their tracking was very poorly laid out so right. every time somebody walked in front of me the tracking sensor was occluded i would lose tracking for a second and that uh, kept okay. happening over you know the hour yeah. that we were there playing uh, the other one is the price it's like to make it viable does cost a lot of money. So as a venue, I could pay anywhere from, I don't know, maybe twenty dollars to $100,000 to get uh, VR stuff set up. Yeah. If you were doing like the big full, like, yeah. you know, making it different from, a, from an at-home kind of setup. Right. But even on the low end, just the cost of the computers, the headsets, right. um, the mounting stuff for the tracking, uh, you know, I can fit four players in that space for VR. Or I could fit 10 players in that space for an escape room. And even now, you know, where the industry in the U.S. has finally started moving to private booking, still, I could fit six players, say, in that space. And they might have a better experience. It'll be probably lower overhead for me long term because VR is going to get obsoleted faster. But that, you know, that could change. We are, one of the things that we're experimenting with right now is we are modeling our entire venue in CAD and bringing that into the Unreal Engine. Because if we have this physical space in a virtual environment, then it will be easier for us to do things like augmented reality or virtual uh, reality in that same space. Right. But right now we're just focused on the physical environment stuff because we need to make money so that we can <laughs> not lose our <laughs> savings and retirement. That's more important. Uh, mm. But I love VR and if I could do something with VR, I, I I know that I can make a profit with it, then I want to do it. Or if it's just something that I can do that's going to be so cool, that's yeah. going to maybe elevate like, you know, a hybrid escape room that takes place partly in real life and partly in VR or something like that. That'd be interesting. It's hard to do because like the quest is lightweight. You can almost anyone can put it on their face and they can get yeah. going. Right. But you, generally, you still need an attendant to 
hook the person up and explain how the controllers work. And yeah. Adjust the straps, whatever. Adjust the lenses for your particular um, eyes. Yep. Put the glasses spacer in if they need it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's right. all time that's being taken away from GMing yeah. the game, right? So you're, and then afterward, all that stuff has to be cleaned. You just had this yeah. stuff next to people's greasy faces. Yeah. And it like, Oily, the lenses. would say. Yeah. Yeah. The Lysol comes out. Everything has to get scrubbed down. So you're paying for an hour, but you only get to play for about half that because of all the setup and the cleanup right. after. Right. So no, it's that's a very good point. Like cleanup, that's a thing. And it's a very important thing. I will attest from my many Beat Saber sessions that those things can get sweaty. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, even if you're not doing something super rigorous, you can get sweaty in it. Yeah, I played what is it, climb? I, I the climb the, mm-hmm. the climb game and I got sweaty doing that and all I was doing was raising my arms to climb a mountain. <laughs> Cla- you're clawing at the air is what it I'm clawing like at air is that's all I'm doing. And and yet there I was like sweating like a pig. I'm just like, ugh. So I'm, I'm, I'm still hopeful. And I think that there are some really cool VR experiences out there for escape rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, but you need the space for it. So like I have a city location. So every square foot, or should I say square meter? You're an international podcast. Every square meter is yeah. so important to monetize for I'm me. I'm also Canadian, so, you know. Actually, yeah. no, we have this weird hybrid system. Oh, I know. It's Have you experienced the Canadian oh, yeah. hybrid system? There's a great, Scott Nicholson posted a great flow chart when he moved to Canada of just, like, what what form of measurement should you use when you're Canadian? It's, like, it's very our, contextual. Yeah, it's like with water. It's like, are you talking about a pool? Then Fahrenheit. Are you boiling water? Then Celsius. Like, it's, it's, it's just like, what are you doing? Are you weighing yourself? Pounds. Are you weighing food? Be like, you grams. It's just like, there's no, or yeah, measuring. It's like, are you driving? You use the metric system. Are you measuring yourself? You use Imperial. So It's true. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Anyway, sorry. Uh, square footage you were talking about. Oh, yeah. We just so we had like the cost of having a venue in an expensive city like Boston. It's so different. Like it changes everything about our business model compared to like people that can just it's like, oh, we're renting this warehouse, which mo- for many of my friends do. And I'm very envious because mm-hmm. they get to build whatever they want. It's very easy. They're not in like an old uh, hundred year old building. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So the it's no, I get it. Like in <laughs> Toronto, even uh, we just went to a new escape room here and it's like right outside a subway station. And I'm like, what the hell are you paying for this? Because it's like outside a subway station in downtown Toronto. And I'm thinking, and yeah, the, the amount of space you have to work with is significantly different while the price remains about the same as an enormous warehouse out in the boonies. Right. Yes. <laughs> So for like the right venue, I think VR works. I think it's much, I I think it's almost impossible to justify in an urban venue like ours. Next time you're in Boston, you'll have to go to Boxeru. They're they're an awesome company and they don't have VR, but they have figured out kind of like how to make really compelling escape rooms in small spaces. Oh, that would be neat. Yeah. I will. Hopefully I'll be in Boston next year for recon. Oh, uh, yes. I can come for recon if it, Fingers crossed. Everybody get vaccinated. That's my political message of the day. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so please get vaccinated. And please, please get vaccinated. <laughs> we please. are 
we are on the hook for selling a bunch of rooms at the Marriott and selling a bunch of tickets. So please come. Please come. Fun. Come to Recon. It's fun times. It and is. I'll be it there. And James will be there. And you want to meet James. He's a And there guy. will probably be VR. Maybe we can get some of these uh, companies that are developing escape room stuff to yeah. set up stuff at the hotel. I have to ask, did you play? I haven't played it, but I've seen playthroughs of it that make me not want to play it. Of, uh, I think it's an escape room game in VR. I can't remember. I think it's even just called the escape room or something like that. It's Oh, is this one that anybody can buy? I think so, yeah. Yeah. I have probably played it. I've played a lot of okay. at-home VR escape rooms, <laughs> especially when the pandemic started, because I was like on a roll. I was going to hit my two, my game number 200. Yeah. And then the pandemic. Oh. So thankfully, I had VR to like scratch that itch. This one was timed. And I, I was actually kind of like, why why put a timer in a VR escape room? Like, that is I, a it, very good point. Thank you for bringing <laughs> that up. Agreed. <laughs> Like, what is the point of it? Like, the whole reason for a timer in escape rooms is a purely business model-driven one and that you need to get the customers out to get new ones in. When you just buy a game, the the pressure's kind of off there unless, you know, you like timers. Right. I mean, do, you I could argue that there's a narrative reason for having limited time. However, there's no real sense of urgency because I can just restart the game. I can just restart the game. I can, yeah. I'm, I'm just do what every other video game does that you can play at home. And they're just like, this is really urgent. We have to hurry and save the princess. And then you can go and run all your little side quests and take 60 days gathering eggs for, you know, some villager yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And then you go save the princess when <laughs> you're ready. I'll get, I'll get to it. I'll get to saving the princess. It's fine. The world seems to be doing fine without me doing anything. So I think I think we're fine. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but th this one, I remember seeing a playthrough of Scott Nicholson playing it, and at one point he was just like, it, he had a video on himself, and he was just sort of like, so this is it. This is the future of escape rooms. Like, I think it was probably one of the worst games you could possibly play to, to demonstrate the power of VR. <laughs> it, that's a very good point. So VR can be very real, but that just means that like, just like in real life, there are terrible escape rooms. There are just terrible. as terrible ones in VR. <laughs> yeah. And they feel just as terrible. It feels yeah. real. It feels bad. It feels just as terrible to be there. But luckily, I got to play some good ones. I liked, I, I, I feel like we can't have a podcast about VR escape rooms without bringing up the room. Um, oh, of course. Yeah. because <laughs> And the room was, again, one of the first ones that I bought when I... Uh, Oh, you, you got spoiled right off the bat. I really did. I started with Vader Immortal and The Room and then like and everything else and Mist and then everything else after that. I'm like, it's still fun, but man, The Room. I, I think that's another good example of one that you can't replicate that in real life. Not no. even a little bit uh, or maybe a little bit, but no. Uh, I mean, the, you can't do magic and... You can't do magic. The feeling of isolation, too, is something in VR that can be exploited more than oh, yeah. in uh, than a, in an escape because an escape room is a is a, a group event and that sort of thing. The room, which again, it won't. Nothing will hurt you in it. Nothing will even jump scare you in it. But it's a creepy game. It is 
legit creepy and i had to i had to peek out from under the headset every once in a while to remind myself that the real world was there because i always had the sense that someone was behind me and (laughs) (laughs) same thing with the puzzle exploration game red matter which is also oh yeah i was gonna bring that one up next yeah yeah oh boy which i'm assuming you love because it's big on environmental storytelling Yes, I absolutely love it. And again, and that's a good thing for owners too. Like owners who don't have the time to go out around the world and play other escape rooms. Find a good VR game and see how it makes you feel in that environment and see what the environment can tell you. Because that's the type of environmental storytelling I hope to see in escape rooms more often. That's every little and and the bits that are there tend to be important for the puzzles and you know yeah i mean like as a like as a designer you can get all sorts of great ideas about different interactions and things but then as a player too it's like it's so easy to sometimes i'm like i look at the price of the game and i'm like wait a second this is an hour game and it's like 30 dollars for an hour of gameplay that's crazy and then i think wait a second james you you've (laughs) (laughs) you're a friggin hypocrite you've you've spent double that (laughs) triple that for escape rooms that are yep. also an hour long that made me feel a little better but yeah you can actually play a lot more escape rooms in vr for less than what you would in real life as you would expect yeah but yeah like the room the room was the one that was like the scale of things was just crazy cuz in the room you will get kind of you have opportunities to see things from a different perspective and suddenly the room is like suddenly you're a tiny ant in the room and you see everything yeah like scale stuff is so interesting and oh, so yeah. I, I love when games incorporate that because you can't do that in real life so making making you a giant and or a tiny little thing in the same game is really cool yeah and red matter too like it had the wow like the beginning when you kind of step out onto this cliff uh, you're in space like you're on a moon outside of saturn and and uh, the the moment you step out and you see Saturn in the distance and stuff in, in the sky and just, it, again, the sense of scale. They also did a great job with the teleport system in that game. It was the very first game I, of VR that I played where teleporting wasn't just a game mechanic. It was a part of the environment. It was... If you want to move somewhere in, in Red Matter, you, you have to point to where you want to go and you kind of space jump there like a moonwalk kind of thing. Uh, you kind of like almost fly, fly or float there. And it makes sense in the world that you're in. The one thing that didn't make sense was the the claw system they have set up. Like basically your hands are holding on to a set of claws, which will grab things for you. And I didn't understand the point of those. Uh, it, it, they were cool. I, I, I agree they were cool. They could do different things. They could grab things. They could turn into a screen and stuff. But I was like, why don't I just use my hands to pick something up? Yeah, you, um, you're often wanting to just have more direct, less abstracted interaction in VR. Yeah. But Red Matter, I loved. The narrative to it was fantastic. And I, it's, just yeah. as, it's, it's just as beautiful on the Quest as it is on PC. They did, oh, again, yeah. awesome tricks just like uh, ILMX Lab did for the Star Wars series. Yeah, and... And the, it was a strong enough narrative that I it kept me going through the creepy parts. I had to. It, it got predictable enough that I could that I knew when the creepy parts were going to happen. Like if you approach a certain object, and it's like, okay, I know that if I touch that, something creepy's going to happen. So I I could prep myself for it, but it was still tough. And I'm like, but I want I want to know what happens. That's it. 
again, nothing can hurt you in the game. Nothing is going to fly at you or try to kill you or even jump scare you. But it's a creepy game, man. Let's talk about games that do jump scare you because those also exist. There aren't a lot of puzzle games that do it. There there are some, but you were talking about isolation, right? And how Mm. like VR can separate you from other people Mm-hmm. in the game that in a way that doesn't really happen in, in real life games generally. Yeah. I was playing uh, some sort of like haunted house game a couple years ago. And I had a, I myself had like a brief stint in the haunt industry and I was playing. So like haunts don't scare me at all. I, I, I go through it and when I'm going through, I'm like, Oh, I know who manufactured that prop or like, <laughs> Oh, I recognize this. Yeah. yeah. You can't see it. You know, I know, exactly where all the characters are going to be it's just a predictable thing and but when i did this thing in vr you can do things in vr like we said that you can't do in real life for example you can trigger things based on your gaze so in a regular haunted house um they'll have like simple floor mat sensors and when you step on it maybe it'll trigger something yeah and that's basically the best you're going to get but in vr the software knows exactly what you're looking at at any given time. Oh, man. So it knows that, for example, when you turn around and look down a hallway, the moment you see the door at the end of the hallway, they can close that door. They know that you looked at the mirror and then you look to your left. And as soon as you look back at the mirror, they can put a body behind, standing behind you. They can do stuff like that. You just like, I was like, wow, I don't even what's the point of a haunted house in real life anymore? (laughs) This is so much scarier. I'm still too scared to play those types of games in VR. And you're by yourself, right? So in most haunted attractions, uh, to be as profitable as possible, there are basically cattle calls where everyone's butt to belly button walking through a maze. Yeah. But here you're by yourself in this whole house. Yep. Yeah, that's great. That's a great, yeah, you know, nope, nope, not going to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't know. I have to, uh, I'd have to be like paid to do it or dared or I don't know, something like that. Where I think you should do it and we should watch it on Twitch. I, I can't figure out how to get the Oculus Quest 2 on Twitch. You know, um, I can help you. I, okay, you can help me. You're just cause... avoiding it. <laughs> I'm not, because I want to play other games. Like Moss, for instance, is is another example of a game where you're not, it's not a first person view. You're, you're looking at a little mouse and you're helping this little mouse get through some obstacles. And, and it's so cute and so fairy tale like, but somehow I still feel very immersed, even though it's yeah. me looking down at a mouse. And, uh, yeah, you're kind of like playing a kind of like the role of God in a way in that looking down, yeah, moving yeah. things in the environment to assist the. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I need to figure out how to Twitch these games because. Uh, I tried it on the. I tried sharing it on Facebook. Like I tried it through the official means of sharing it on Facebook. Um, that was terrible. That was just. It's so laggy that like there's so much time between you talking and them actually receiving something on Facebook Live that it's like mm-hmm. ugh, there's there's no point to this. Um, yeah, it's much better with a PC headset because you have all that extra processing power. Yeah, yeah. But I really so. want to see you do something scary because it would be very entertaining i'm sure for lots of people my my friend dan does a, a fundraiser every year for extra life if you've never heard of extra life it's it's a a big fundraiser you do you play you play video games for 24 hours and it goes to a you know a, a children's hospital of your choice uh so you know let the to get kids playing games too who are in you know uh, terminal care and stuff so 
his incentives involve like if we reach a thousand dollars, Manda has to play a scary game <laughs> for an hour uh, and can't can't hesitate. Like I have to like I can't just sit there for an hour and do nothing. I actually have to try and get through it. And at at the hour long mark, I'm allowed to tap out if I want. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, this year it was it was a, a PC game that. It, actually ended up being unofficial because I asked Dan, you know, what game? I still owe you a game from last year. And he's like, well, you played Buddy Simulator. So I think that's that's good enough. And Buddy Simulator is a shockingly scary game um, <laughs> that you could play. But uh, this year, I don't know if he's going to have the same incentives, but that might be a thing is that I have to play a VR scary game. Because those I cannot deal with. I cannot deal with feeling like something is behind me. And if something is actually behind me, God help me, I might punch Well, no, see, you'll probably see, you'll look in the mirror, you'll see the thing behind you, you'll freak out and turn around, it'll be gone. It'll be gone. Oh my God, oh my God. It's great. Oh my God. You remind me of another really cool thing about VR is that it it is pretty accessible, whether you're a terminal patient or just really old or like me and have a body that hates itself. Like I've had multiple <laughs> spinal surgeries, so sometimes I cannot play Beat Saber. Um, but you, I can still always put on that headset, even if I'm just sitting down, and yeah. I can be transported to somewhere else, and I can solve puzzles or whatever. Yeah, and there are quite a few games that ask you, like, are you are you just sitting for this one? And you can you can set that so that it doesn't require you to have to actually like turn around and stuff, and yeah, physically, yeah. No, that's that's what I like about it is you can you can still use a VR headset even if you can't stand up or can't don't have if you're like me and have a tiny apartment can't like wave your hands around wildly. Yeah, same. We're both fridge. in the city, so most of the yeah. games that I play, I'm just standing still. Now, our friend Justin, who makes Cryptexes. Oh yeah, he he has like probably a warehouse he can walk yeah. around in. <laughs> he he calls it his dreamatorium, and it's bit, <laughs> like a enormous two car garage. Oh and my god! He basically never has to teleport. He just walks around walks over. that's the dream for me is yep. like i i actually that was what i did with my parents house when i went to go visit i they have a slightly bigger space so i was actually able to walk around a little more and i'm like this is so cool now yeah um and and that's point, what i think yeah. location-based entertainment venues have to offer that you have mm-hmm. to offer something that you can't do at home and at home we've got the coffee table in the way and the sofa <laughs> and there's a tv that we might put the controller through yeah but if you've got the space, if you're one of these venues that has lots of space and give each player like 16 by 16 foot area just to themselves that they can yep. explore. You can move around in. That's exciting because, yeah, otherwise it's me and Vader Immortal swinging a lightsaber wildly and then punching my fridge because I completely lost my sense of location and didn't realize I was facing the fridge at that point anymore. Yep. Do you ever have that? You take your headset off and you're like, wow, I am not facing in the direction I was expecting to face. Times you just lose complete tracking of where you are in reality. Yeah. And my partner and I have both gotten bloody knuckles and beat saber. Now, and with this, with the quest, though, to be fair, like you can't you do have to specify an area in which you are going to play. And when you get close to that area, you just see a grid kind of pop up. But if you're going fast enough, it like that. Doesn't yeah, the matter. grid doesn't. Yeah. If you're going fast <laughs> enough, the grid will not pop up in time, which. Yeah. Yeah. So just be careful. Be mindful where you're playing yeah. and how fast you're flailing your arms <laughs> like a crazy person. Yeah. 
don't know. Do you think there's anything that escape rooms can take from VR that, like, we've talked a little bit about environmental storytelling. We've talked a bit, you know, do you see VR having more of an influence on escape rooms themselves? Or do you see, like, VR kind of being a supplement to escape rooms when something fantastic, more fantastical, more fantastical I think, is called for? Yeah, I think that we'll probably not see it. I, I think augmented reality is probably there's probably a more compelling use case from a player standpoint for that in um, escape rooms to be able to grab say an iPad and move it around the environment and have basically a window to another world yeah. that overlays the environment that you're in right now I think there's all sorts of cool things that you can do in terms of gatekeeping information and directing player attention with augmented reality um, with VR I think that you really need to have a more compelling reason for somebody to play it outside of the home. And you have that challenge of right now, where it's still early days of explaining to people, yes, it's worth that amount of money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I think that there is potential for VR on the creator side. It's right now. I think it's probably still too early because we don't have the tools. So you see theme parks using VR to develop their attractions, because mm -hmm. again, there's that sense of scale that you can't get, out anywhere else other than actually building it, right? Mm -hmm. So if you really want to have an understanding of what the environment is going to feel like for a player, you would have to put on a VR headset to do that. If you really want to get a sense of like, how does it feel to reach for this thing and slide it over here and pull this lever? Should this yeah. lever be bigger or smaller? Like, I think that there's opportunity for rapid prototyping of games in VR. That's, but a, good, that's a good point, yeah. In order for that to happen, we need better tools you can technically right now it is possible that you could build you could theoretically <laughs> and it's i just don't know how you could justify this cost you could build out your environment in a bim or something like sketchup mm -hmm. import that into a game engine you know sketchup will get you all the stuff that your contractor needs to do the build out and maybe you can get even like your cut sheet or something for everything that you need to do to make your escape room the mm -hmm. physical space import that space into a game engine uh, and plop in a VR kit in there so you can actually see that space in VR. And you could theoretically build out all your game logic, pre-visualize all your lighting and your audio and have the game engine send that to external controllers. And in reality, there are attractions that are doing this, but we're talking multi-million dollar budgets. Right. <laughs> but there's always a democratization with technology and it gets easier and easier to do things, right? Like, look at you look at the games that are being built today and they could never have been built 10 years ago because 10 years ago you didn't have access to all the assets and things like now when you're building a game, how much of it are you responsible for mm -hmm. versus how much are you pulling off the shelf components? You right. know, like you're pulling from sound libraries, you're pulling from all sorts of asset libraries, like 3d models, terrain generators. You're mm -hmm. not building everything from scratch. So when we get to a point, I think where um, we have toolkits for, building basically escape games yeah, where it's almost drag and drop, then I think that there could be some really cool opportunities to iterate on designs for these games with these environments without having to actually pick up a hammer. You can get everything kind of like finessed, like, no, we're going to put that on the left side of the room or uh, that light is distracting. You can play test it with players remotely as long as they have a VR headset, right? Won't yeah. be the same experience can't do everything in VR. You can't do texture, textured surfaces and temperature and smells. But you could probably do a lot in terms of show control. 
How does right. the space look and sound and feel? So I, I think that's pretty exciting, but I think it's probably maybe 10 years out. That is exciting. I never even thought about prototyping games within VR, even just to get the atmosphere and stuff to, to see like, yeah, how does it feel? I, I know that one thing we haven't touched on that I, I can't really touch on because I haven't experienced it yet is that the immersive theater world is using VR. Like I know mm. that there's immersive theater shows mm -hmm. that are happening in VR now. I haven't done one personally yet, but that's kind of an exciting opportunity in which it might be a real actor on the other end that you are communicating with live um, somehow. And that's kind of exciting. Uh, I haven't, but again, I haven't, I haven't seen them yet. I'm sure that no pro has a bunch of resources on them and that kind of thing. Yeah. There are a couple ways that that's being done. So um, there is an escape room that's on the quest. I'm not sure if it's still available. Um, it was priced like an escape room, like $100 mm -hmm. a game for, say, four or five Ooh. players. Yeah. Uh, and that used a live GM yeah. and a live actor who puppeted the characters in the game. Yeah. So when you came to a character, and they would change their voice depending on which character mm -hmm. you were interacting with. So it was kind of approximating that experience um, yeah. more than what a regular game could. And that was really cool. Um, another way is the live actors are actually in the space with you. Yeah. So the actors interact with you while you are in the VR headset. They know what you're doing, where you are, and mm -hmm. maybe they'll hand you something or they'll grab your hand when the character in the game grabs your hand and things like that. Uh, in both of these cases, I think it's, uh, or rather the, the second case, I think is that example of how do you make VR more compelling than what it would be to just stay at home in the comfort of your house in your pajamas yeah. or less. Right. Uh, and the former is how do you take that one of those unique things about escape rooms and bring that into the home? Yeah. Of course, actors are expensive as underpaid as they always are. They're still expensive. <laughs> they're still expensive. Yeah. So I don't know if that um, business actually took off, um, but it was a really cool idea. I'm glad I got to play it while it was running. That's so cool. And I would probably talk on and on and on about the intricacies about different games and nerding out. But at that point, it will just be nerding out about games. One thing I will say, I'm looking at the time here. I'm like, yeah, we should probably wrap it up. Uh, I will say in terms of puzzles and stuff, um, I, I do like noticing the differences between games that were adopted for VR and games that were created for VR. Uh Mist being the most obvious one, because one of the things that I struggle with with the Mist VR game is the fact that I can't take notes. I can take pictures and, <laughs> like, with my Oculus Quest and store them, uh, but there's something about I can't, you know, it's a game that's meant to be you write down some notes that you could refer to later uh, and... And that part of it is is kind of a gap for me. Whereas something that's created for VR, a lot of the puzzles are much more tactile based as well. Um, a lot of them require you to have everything at your disposal, like within either visual range or whatever. There's not as, as much backtracking yeah. to go look for information. You're going to be able to reach for stuff that's relevant yeah. to the puzzle versus, oh, I have to go to the other island on the other age, add yeah. it to my inventory and then come all the way back. <laughs> it's like, God damn it. Anyway. Okay. Well, with that being said, like I said, we could go on and on. Um, if you don't have a VR headset, 
the uh, like this they're not sponsoring us or anything uh but i did find that the oculus quest was a reasonable price compared to what else is out there so if you're looking to get your feet wet with vr um that is a good option do you have any recommendations for awesome vr headsets like yeah you you know full experience the, I primarily recommend the Quest 2 right now because you can hook it up to a PC if your PC is strong enough and you can do PC VR. Yeah. But you can also do all the standalone Oculus exclusive stuff. Uh, my my one caveat is I really think that you have to buy one of the upgraded uh, head straps because the one that it comes with, they, they were trying to get to a sub $300 price and they did. But basically they give you a little cloth strap to tie this heavy thing to your Yes, yeah. and it's not comfortable for the vast majority of people. So it's you know the fifty or whatever the other one is, a hundred or something dollars more head strap is very worth it. I might um, try that. I haven't got one, but yeah. I think right now, still, even though it's like two years old, it's still probably one of the best that you can get is Valve's Index headset. It's not available in all markets, um, but it has the best tracking. It's probably the most comfortable. Um, the controllers feel very natural. Um, they tried to approximate like finger movement. So you put them on and it tries to detect where your fingers are. So you can give the peace sign or, mm-hmm. you know, I love you symbol or whatever with that controller very easily. Uh, it's expensive. It's about a thousand dollars for the kit. Plus you need a computer strong enough to run it. So a modern graphics card, like a RTX 2080 or something like that to do it yep which i definitely do not have it's i i downloaded the steam program that like measures your computer and it was like no don't just Just a sad face just a a giant sad face (laughs) like no you are so not vr ready and i'm like but i I am ready i say get in in with the quest and um oculus parent company facebook is trying to come up with like a enterprise uses for the quest so they have like an enterprise support program. You can make your own software for it. And so that's kind of interesting. Like if, if VR is going to be affordable, then that does kind of open it up more for more escape rooms um, provided you can get. And there there are some companies that are making uh, Quest software for escape rooms, for, for location-based entertainment venues to run. So that lowers yeah. your barrier to entry a lot because it's all self-contained. I, we, I don't think we mentioned it, but most VR headsets, they have... Um, Things that you have to set up around the room to assist with tracking. Mm-hmm. The Quest is fully wireless yep. n- and fully self-contained. So it's just so easy. You just, you s- it's actually, yeah, and it makes it great for when I travel to just, I yeah, just pick we, it up, bring it with me. We that's, always take it with us because like yeah. that's where we do a lot of our exercise. Our, our cardio is mostly done with the Quest on our heads. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. At any rate, um, thank you so much, James, for joining me here today and for nerding out about VR. That was a lot of fun. Thanks so much. Yay. If people want to find you, is there anywhere that you want people to find you? You might not want anyone to find you. I don't know. Oh, I mean, I try to write bad jokes on Twitter at James Cobalt. Um, probably not anyone's flavor. Um, <laughs> and my business is the Immersive Game Theater, Boston, hopefully by the end of the year. Fingers crossed. <gasps> Can't wait. Can't wait. So um, our website will probably be cleveradventure.com for the parent company. And that will link you to whatever the website ends up being for the venue. <laughs> cool. That's so exciting. It has to be open before recon. 
So it, that yes, it will definitely be open before recon or okay. I will be out of house and home. Okay. <laughs> I will come and play it. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Room Escape Divas is brought to you by Inverse Genius. You can go to inversegenius.com to find other fun podcasts just like this one. You can email us at roomescapedivas at gmail.com. And we are on Facebook. You can just look up Room Escape Divas, click the like button. We still, still are having community meetups every Friday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard or Eastern Daylight Time, whatever it is right now. And if you are on Twitter... You can try to use the hashtag REDivas. I don't know if I will see it, though. Email is best. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.